Hi everyone and welcome to the Game Week 7 FPL Playbook by Playmaker. Uh, my name is Sam and I'm joined by Neil Murray. Neil, how are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I managed to meet the deadline this week, but I don't think it did me any good. In fact, I probably scored more points than the week I missed the deadline. Um, so another fat red arrow down to... 211k but otherwise i'm i'm doing okay how about you yeah not too bad thanks i i've also experienced uh quite well a smaller red arrow but a red arrow is always frustrating um 46 points for me i think but we'll get into that in just a second um no no good game week for either of us which is slightly frustrating we've both got the wild cards in our back pocket and i think we're possibly both getting a little bit twitchy with so many injuries circling all of our FPL teams at the moment. So we'll be getting into some potential wildcard planning later, seeing whether it might tempt us uh, this week or possibly over the international break in game week eight. Um, Neil, I have changed the screen over to your team. Would you like to just run through it for our listeners? Yeah, so I got 41 points, but 37 after the hit I took. Uh, so I got in uh, Ronaldo and Gallagher. Uh, for a hit in place of Cucho and Fernandez. Um, Gallagher picked up the assist, but yellow card as well, so four points. Ronaldo obviously blanked, four points. Um, the only other returns I actually got were Salah with seven and Antonio with eight. Well, and Jimenez with eight, actually, sorry. But so, yeah, Salah and Antonio, the other two I considered for captaincy, did deliver. The one I ended up going with didn't. Um, Greenwood, blank. Ben Rama got free, TAA one, Shaw blank, Livermento two, Sanchez two. Um, so that was me. Benched Rafinha, who got eight points. So bad call by me. Um, but yeah, bit of a bit of a nothing game week again for me. Yeah, it's unfortunate about Rafinha because there were rumours surrounding his fitness and he did look like he was hobbling off that team bus. I, I maintain that. Um, but I I I, uh, I did start him. Um, so that's the only difference, I think, between our, our scores, really. Um, I got 46, uh, a red arrow down from 56k to 77. Um, so I also captain Ronaldo. Um, no luck there. The returns from Antonio and Salah probably summed up to uh, ruin my rank rather than help it um, because their EO was so high. Uh, like I said, Rafinha did return for me with eight points. Tony got uh, an assist and I do feel very unfortunate not to have gotten uh, the marginal offside goal from them as well. That was an absolute belter of a game. Um, Jota with seven as well, also somehow flattered to deceive, even though he got a goal. Um, and then the same back back four as you, including Sanchez in goal, uh, Alexander-Arnold, Livramento and Shaw. TAA and Shaw, both obviously injury doubts, uh, as well as Ailing on my bench. So we will be discussing what we might be doing about those later. Uh, but issues for both of us, I think it's fair to say. For sure. Um, so on to the game week six results and it was a, a good game week for football um, if we disregard the FPL results anyway. Um, we start off with a Man City win over Chelsea, uh, 1-0 away win, very convincing performance from City again, especially defensively. Um, their assets in defence look better and better by the week. Uh, the fact that they were able to restrict Chelsea to 0.19 xg 
as well. It really does say a lot about just how how well uh, they are shaping up at the back at the moment. What were your thoughts about this match? Yeah, I thought it was uh, it, it was an interesting match in terms of where both teams are are currently at. I think that uh, especially as FPL managers, we you know we had definitely been looking more towards Chelsea than than City and focusing on this game week seven swing. And you know we have to have free Chelsea. Uh, obviously, City have a difficult fixture this week uh, again. Um, but beyond that, they also have some pretty good fixtures. I know we, we've spoken about the uncertainty in their attack um, and that we mentioned last week regarding Cancelo and Diaz. I think defensively, if you are about to wildcard or even if you're not wildcarding, I still think a transfer on a City defensive asset could very well be worth it. Um, I think the only other two points of, of note for me from a City side and just touching on that attack for a second, I thought Greenish was unlucky not to come away with anything. You know, I think Mendy did twice uh, in in two kind of pretty good opportunities um, for Grealish. Um, so I think he's he's probably been pretty unlucky to return as little as he has, also based on his XA and XG. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really think if he continues with those underlying statistics and he continues to look to look at least one of the most nailed on in that attack, then I really think maybe we should be uh, considering him again. Um, and Jesus obviously is also performing very strongly. Um, Torres left out again. Um, and I think, uh, I think Jesus, um, is also someone to consider, but tricky price point, um, and, and very limited options available in our front lines right now, but, uh, definitely piqued my interest. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Grealish's XGI is three. Overall, I think at the moment he's only got uh, the one return, is it? Or possibly uh, two returns. So, yeah, quite unlucky. And if he's nailed, then I think he's an option, a, a way into that City city attack for sure. Um, OK, on to the other early kickoff. Man United nil, Aston Villa won. Another late penalty in the United game. This time didn't quite go for them. Obvious drama aside, what did you what did you make of this one? Um, I don't think there's too much to talk about apart from the obvious drama. Mm. Uh, I went through a lot of them. As someone who sold Bruno for a hit to get Ronaldo, that was a scary I was going couple through of a minutes. Lot of emotions. <laughs> um, it, it was very interesting. From celebrating that they got a penalty because I thought Ronaldo was going to take it, yeah. to swear to swear in when Bruno had the ball in his hands. And thinking, I cannot believe that I've just done this. Um, and then, yeah, obviously him skying it over again. Uh, yeah, it was it was uh, interesting. Uh, the, I mean, the other thing for me is I also on Greenwood, who um, I think he had eight eight shots uh, in in the game. Um, he, I mean, to be honest, he looks greedier than Ronaldo. Um, you know, his head down, head down, trying to get the shot away every time he got the ball, almost. Um, Good for FPL asset, mm. but maybe a bit more worrying, uh, you know, if things obviously aren't clicking that great for United right now. So, you know, definitely still a rotation worry. Um, other than that, I think, you know, I think we, we've we talked about Villa a little bit, both defensively and also in that game against Chelsea that they lost 3-0. They're looking, they're looking very good this year, in my opinion. I, I think they're... 
they're playing well. That 3-0 against Chelsea, they didn't really deserve that scoreline. We looked at their defensive numbers underlying. They're actually quite strong. I'm still not sure exactly where we would look to them um, for options. You know, at the back, maybe cash. Um, and yeah, up front, obviously, Ings, Ings is always... Ings is always an FPO option. Watkins now playing again. Um, so yeah, not not sure I would jump on any, but I actually think they're a team performing well. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think if the fixtures were even slightly more favourable, and I, not to say that they're terrible, but I think there are better options fixture-wise yeah. out there, I think a lot more people would be flocking towards Aston Villa. Um, yeah, it's one of those. I, I think I want to see them pull together one or two more results before I'd prioritise jumping on them. And I think most of us know what we're doing with our defences. Most of us know what we're doing up yep. front. And those are the only two yep. positions that I've got any interest in any Villa assets at the moment. Once Bailey's yep. back in the middle at 6.5 and Wendy is playing more regularly, then that's maybe a conversation to have. But I just don't think there's that much space to slot in a Villa player um, other than maybe if you wanted to go up to Martinez at the back. Um, he looks like he's going to be a, a bonus point Hoover and and a save Hoover yet again. So that might be an option. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, actually, I completely forgot to say at the top of the video, but all of these stats that you see in front of you right now and all of them throughout the video are all on the Playmaker app. So free to download. Check out the links in the, in the description and uh, get involved on Playmaker if you're not already. Um, and also whilst we're at it, please, if you are enjoying the video, give us uh, a like and uh, a subscription if you want to as well, because it really does help the channel grow. And I keep forgetting to put it at the top of the video. So um, for once... Better late than Yeah, now. exactly. And uh, I thought whilst we're in the, in the meat of it, I'd give it a push. So uh, please, please do. We really appreciate it. Um, so on to the 3pm kickoffs and we'll start off with Everton Norwich. Um, I don't think there's that much necessarily to talk about on this one. It was it went exactly how we'd expect. Yeah. Norwich aren't going to be a team we discuss fantasy wise for a long, long time by the looks of it. And um, Everton, even with injuries, their wingers do look aggressive and Decore looked to be in the creative role. But... I, th I think with tougher fixtures around the corner, they're not a team anyone wants to be jumping on right now. And I I kind of think Decore is going to start sitting back a bit deeper against the, the more aggressive attacks, especially against United. I can see him filling a deeper role and uh, maybe pinging a few balls forwards, but I I don't see them being as effective moving forwards. What what do you think? No, I think I agree with that. I, I, I haven't, I haven't bought Gray or Decore um, or Townsend um, to this point, despite you you suggesting that maybe I should for one week punt if I was going to play my wildcard this week. Um, but no, I, I haven't jumped on them. And at this point, I think maybe the boat has, if it's not sailed already, it's beginning to sail. Um, I don't see myself buying any of them right now. Uh, the only other thing I would say is I hope Dino owners did hold for this fixture at least yeah agreed um yeah it, it's um it's unfortunate about townsend um but i i don't think it was anything to do with my prediction um i predicted norwich weak down the left and townsend scoring had nothing to do with that he just happened to be on pens um yeah. so i think i got away with that prediction a little bit but uh yeah 
I'll, I'll take the win. Um, on, you can take exactly. Um, on to the next one. Um, this was a great game, as all games involving Leeds seem to be. Um, two one to West Ham. Late winner for Antonio and uh, captain as rejoice as per. And Rafinha got the goal as well before being taken off at about sixty five minutes. Um, both teams going forward. I'm definitely interested in and will be owning their talisman probably for the majority of the season um at the back i'm not convinced at all in leeds um in fact i'd probably suggest targeting them and west ham i'm not particularly convinced either i think they're still a little bit leaky um so i wouldn't be too scared of say brentford's um assets playing against them this week um how do you feel about this one well, I went against my own advice uh, in terms of my own captaincy last week. I said that Leeds are the best team to target from a captaincy perspective. Antonio left it late, but obviously came away with some joy. Um, I think two main takeaways, probably one is uh, in regards to Rafinha. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unlucky not to get a second, hit the post. Um, yes, true. You know, he, he was their biggest threat. Um, but as always, like he, he's just, he just threatens those double-digit holes constantly. Um, but never seems to come through with them. I still think way too many. I mean, he's a great, his accuracy is incredible actually, but he takes, still takes way too many outside the box for my liking. Um, Most of his shots are from outside the box. So if you look at it from a kind of direct attacking threat from a positional point of view, he's not getting into the, or at least he's not taking that many shots from in the box or not having much luck inside the box. That still concerns me. And I still am concerned that he, he, he doesn't it doesn't quite click for him in terms of getting more than a goal um but saying that at his price point you know if he's getting a goal every other game then you know that's absolutely fine yeah I just still feel the frustration when I'm when I'm watching him that it could be so much more each time um the other thing I would say is uh, I, I thought Ben Rama was just as impressive for the other side true uh and and and, and was kind of unlucky. Uh, in a way, the the link up with Antonio was was brilliant, um, and there were several opportunities that he was involved in. Extremely unlucky not to come away of anything. Um, so yeah, I I left feeling a bit kind of stronger on Ben Rama than I have done in the last week or two after watching this game. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're not if you're not wildcarding, or even if you are, I still think Ben Rama is very much still under consideration. Mm. That's that's an interesting point, actually, um, especially considering he blanked in this one and returned in the previous one. And uh, we've got a big, juicy section on these budget midfielder enablers, including Ben Rama, including Rafinha, and uh, the aforementioned Everton midfielders as well, coming up later in the show. Um, so I'll be asking you to to select which ones might survive a wildcard. Um, and I think that will be an interesting discussion. Got some stats to back it up as well. Um, so next up was Leicester to Burnley 2. Leicester dominate the XG stats. Uh, for our listeners, they got 2.16. Uh, Burnley 0.43. Although I think 2-2 might justify it slightly. It was, it was a good game. And Burnley, I think we're good for better than than uh, a 0.43 xG, or at least it seemed that way. Um, how did how did you feel about this one? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was an entertaining game. Vardy got some sort of hat trick. Um, <laughs> I, I was tempted to say that, but every podcast yeah. has said that this week. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm 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 less original than you. <laughs> um, 
But uh, but actually, I mean, Vardy, like I think we said it right in our first show, right? Like Vardy's an interesting one. I mean, every single year he continues to deliver goals. He continues to deliver points. Mm. I think this season more than any in recent times, we're not really considering him. But, uh, you know, maybe we're wrong to do that. Um, but again, I think it's a it's a price point challenge, right? Yes. Um, and that's what we've said about him on here before as well. Um, and especially if we're not, I think the issue with him as well around that price point is we're also not really looking at many, say, 10 million midfielders uh, right now either. So there's not there's not very, you know, let, let's say there's not very many flexible options in terms of your team setup where you could kind of move around that cash a little bit easier, especially if you do have these two, three big premiums in yeah. there. Um but I, I, I think it's worth, you know, looking at him and, and, and considering him for real. Um, I guess the issue is as well as Leicester also haven't been great this season, even though Vardy has continued to deliver the goals. So there's also probably more consistent or, um, yeah, I, I guess uh, players that are that are playing for teams in better form, which we probably be should be considering over him, but. Yeah, you know, he continues to score, continues to score points. I feel a bit silly for not, you know, he literally never enters my thinking. Um, so, you know, at some point in the season, maybe we do reconsider that, I think, if he continues to do this. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it, it's just a question of how many goals is he going to score before he actually enters any of our thoughts. Um, and I, I think you're completely right. It's the fact that we've got those three premiums on all of our minds and you would absolutely have to sacrifice at least one of them to get in Vardy but you might have to sacrifice two of them to have Vardy if you also want a balanced team outside of having the two the two premiums so that's a difficult one but if he scores another two or three in in his next two or three games and we're just gonna have to think about him because he defies his age he defies all logic and he just keeps scoring so at some point he's gonna enter our thoughts I'm sure of it yeah. Um, next up was another really good game, actually. Uh, one all yeah. between Watford and Newcastle. Uh, I don't want to go too into this one because I think we know who the assets of interest are here. It's Saar, yeah. maybe King um, on Watford's side and possibly Dennis if you're an early adopter. Uh, and on Newcastle side, it's probably just uh, Sam Maximan. Um, so how, how do you think how do you feel as a Newcastle fan having been uh, restricted to a draw looking at that XG yeah I, well Alan Shearer said we should have scored five on match of the day I think that was a slight exaggeration um, but I, I was pretty frustrated that, that we didn't win the game um, there were some big big misses yeah, there were. Uh, in that game Murphy um, but Ben Foster also <laughs> played well the, the one Watford asset that that you didn't mention there was True. Ben Foster. I actually thought he had a pretty decent game, which could um, help his chances of keeping the spot um, at least. So I do think, you know, playing, playing four million goalkeeper at the moment uh, is definitely one to consider, especially for those wildcard in uh, St. Maximum was, you know, massive threat again. Um, but also sometimes lacks that killer instinct uh, rounded the, basically rounded the keeper um some point didn't result in in a goal he, you know he did the dance across the box rather than maybe looking to be a bit more um direct so yeah frustrating but yeah i mean if you own say maximum 
right now, I'd, I'd definitely keep Yeah. Him. Oh, yeah. You'd be happy. Um, as- yeah, I think attacking wise, like we're, we're posting some pretty good numbers. So uh, not nothing to worry about from his yeah. point of view, for sure. I, th- I think the only thing for ASM for me at the moment is he can create all the XA in the world. But if he's not got anyone around him that can finish the chances, it's just going to frustrate <laughs> you week on week. And until Callum yeah. Wilson's back, I, I, do, I do like him and I, I wish I could consider him. But just at the price point, I think there are better options for me personally um which brings us on nicely to brentford liverpool which is an early contender for game of the season absolute belter um i had what was it It the saturday evening game i had the house to myself a couple of beers in the fridge and i i sat down watching this and it was it was a great evening in um what a game what what do you make of it yeah i mean it was it was an amazing game um I think you also you also tweeted about Ivan Tony right did, saying FPL yeah. aside, you know he's he's a great player and completely agree with mm-hmm. that. Um, he was a bully. He was a menace. Um, he just caused even Van Dyke so many problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, so I definitely, um, yeah, very uh, very high on Tony. I w- I wasn't at the beginning of the season, um, but uh, yeah, as every week goes by and I I see him play, uh, you know, I've seen some stats about he's only got I think it's something like uh four in his last 24 from from open play really but I think even yeah but even from the last few games that I've seen of him you know there's been multiple disallowed goals mm. um marginal got as pretty well unlucky. yeah yeah marginal as well so I wouldn't be concerned by by that stat I I definitely think goals are coming for him and Buemo still very much an option at that price point as well mm. Um, and yeah, I think Brentford continued to to kind of outperform um, expectations. And we said we don't think they'll get battered. Uh, they did concede free, but they also scored free themselves. Yeah. So I guess we can we we can uh, we we can still uh, claim that prediction as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they came out swinging, and they they weren't afraid to go toe to toe with them. And I, I think if I was to summarise this in thirty seconds, it's a massive credit to Brentford that Liverpool were playing in this game, scored three goals, and we're not talking about them. We're talking about Brentford because oh. they were so good. And um, on the XG, they they technically beat Liverpool. So 2.94 yeah. to 2.26. Um, I almost think we don't really need to talk about Liverpool assets too much because we all know Salah's a fantastic asset. He probably should have had two, um, just dinking yeah. one over the bar. Jota like we mentioned, flatters to deceive. Um, and Firmino is coming back, scored two in the Champions League. Um, so that's going to be an issue, I think. But it depends whether or not you think Jota's 90 minutes over two games will be enough for you at 7.7, which is a conversation to have for sure. Um, and just sad news about Trent being out for the next two or three weeks by the looks of it anyway. No actual confirmation on that, but it, the sources tell us it could be touch and go for even Watford after the international break, which uh, we'll go into more detail um, later on in the show when we're panicking over potential wildcards. Okay, cool. So next up was Southampton. Again, uh, I was home alone watching this and settled in for a a lovely game of football. Didn't turn out that way at all. Lost 1-0 to Wolves, and I was probably the only one unhappy to see Jimenez breaking his goal-scoring duck. Um, 
I, I've taken a step back, reflected on it, and I am happy for him now. But at the time, <laughs> at the time, I couldn't be, um, especially as a Livramento owner. Um, yeah, I think Southampton's XGC is actually looking pretty good all of a sudden. Um, only yeah. conceded one against, um, well, in, in the last three matches anyway, including uh, Man City in that as well, and West Ham. So not too bad, but Wolves finally stringing together a couple of decent performances and Jimenez I think that's going to open the tap and I think that I I think that he could be one to jump on over the next few weeks um especially with the fixtures coming up in Newcastle this week um what do you think about these two yeah well I did jump on on Jimenez a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. so as an owner I was doubly delighted to, to see him score and then a little frustrated that he that he still looked a little rusty at the end where he should have just put in a, yeah, uh, put in a second that's true or just laid it across to Traore yeah yeah I mean I think he, he got caught in two minds and then kind of yeah, fluffed, fluffed the shot a little um, so it was a little frustrating because it could have been more I guess the other point to mention on Wolves is the fact that Traore was was benched yes. um, for the game and uh, Trincao was also benched I yeah believe. they went with um, Huang and Podence didn't they um, yeah. which was interesting yeah. and yeah, and Pedenza actually um, is uh, he's he's a player I really like, um, both in real life and FPL. Uh, so I'm I'm quite keen to to see him uh, kind of back or at least getting uh, starts. Um, yeah, again, he's got a bit of Rafinha um, about him, hasn't he? Yeah, that yeah, kind I, of exciting, like flatters to deceive yeah. kind of player. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's my my type of player, the ones you can get frustrated at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, let's see if let's see what they do there. But I would say at this point, you know, Traore, Trincao, Pod- like, uh, yeah, I don't think I would be touching any of them. I do think Jimenez. Hopefully, it it opens the floodgates um, for him. Um, so you know, if I'm not playing my wild card uh, this week, I'm I will obviously be be holding him and no plans to transfer out. Uh, until I play my wild card, and even then I might look at it. Um, and yeah, I think Southampton have been, like you say, looking defensively pretty solid. I still think, uh, you know, I mean, it's obvious Livermento is the best cheap defender around, mm-hmm. um, so he goes nowhere. The only thing I would say about Southampton is what, you know, I mean, Adam Armstrong a few weeks ago was like, I'm definitely getting him as my cheap striker in my wild card. Yeah. Um, not so much yeah, anymore. I'm, no, I'm definitely off of that idea right now. Um, I need convincing. I much prefer Tony. It, like even if it was a fixtures thing, I think I still prefer Tony over Armstrong again now. Yeah, and and the fact that Tony's on pens as well seals it. I think even in well any fixture, he's always got a chance of a return. Whereas and he bullies the best of defenses. Armstrong at the moment is a bit starved of service and. All of the shots that he seems to be having like look relatively low XG chances, and he he looks like he's just trying to pop off shots wherever he can because the chances are so restricted. I I would need to see him scoring a couple of goals before bringing him in, uh, and I don't think that's going to happen against Chelsea this week. So I don't think I'm going to be bringing him in on a wild card, sadly, despite the price, which I think at some point will offer good value, but I just don't think it's quite clicking for. Southampton going forward just yet. Um, 
Okay, good to good to hear a Southampton fan <laughs> confirm my yeah. suspicions about mm. stronger. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the way to play it at the moment. There's just better options around that price right now. Um, okay, on to the Arsenal Spurs game. Arsenal romped away with it in the first half, three 0 and completely out of sight. Was it a case of Arsenal being amazing? Was it a case of Spurs being absolutely shocking, or was it a bit of both, Neil? Probably a bit of both. I think Spurs' underlying numbers have definitely caught up. To yes, uh, big time. <laughs> you know, we, we we spoke about it that you know those three wins. We we looked at we looked at team stats. I remember XG and XGC mm-hmm. after the first three games, and you know second to seventh were the the top six, and Tottenham were missing from those charts. And we kind of made the point at that time that they'd probably been a bit lucky to win three out of three games. Um, and I think that those numbers have caught up with them now. I think they look they look pretty pretty poor. Definitely, Arsenal assets better than Spurs assets right now, mm. and they have a lot of interesting they assets. Um, good both, price both points defensively. Yeah, very good price points and fixtures defensively. Got like goalkeeper, mm. couple of defenders, midfielders, um, good fixtures. So yeah, I think they're now the kind of in vogue team. So they they've had quite the opposite kind of journey to Spurs I mean almost a direct opposite this season so far Um, but because of the price points uh, they're very much in favour with the upturn in in form Um, so if they can carry it through into the strong fixtures I think we we will start having one or even two Arsenal players on our side which a few weeks ago would have would have uh, seemed crazy Mm, yeah I'll I'll hint at it now Um, we I think we've both got a little sprinkling of Arsenal in our potential drafts Mm. so uh, we'll go into that and we'll talk at length about Saka and uh, Smith Rowe as well in our midfielder chat in a bit Um, so uh, we'll move on from that for now Um, and lastly Crystal Palace versus Brighton Um, Gallagher assist which was good he looked very lively again and uh, Mapai cancelling out and silencing the fans at the end (laughs) Um, which brought on a Sanchez yellow card, which I was pretty annoyed yeah. about. I'm not going to lie. Um, what did what did you make of this match? Did you catch it live or did you just watch the highlights? I did watch some of it live. Um, I watched the first half uh, live and then watched the highlights. Um, I, I was mainly watching for Gallagher. Mm. Um, I had brought him in as part of the hit after bigging him up all season. Um, as someone who was been watching him quite closely obviously return uh happy with the return and with the assist um he has lost set pieces yeah that's um, a bit annoying millie was back and I, I like and to be honest even though he was still in very friendly positions very involved getting forward i did i haven't checked heat maps or anything like that but i just from my eye test i felt like he was slightly less gung-ho than he was at the beginning of the season Interesting. just very slightly especially in the first half um, that I watched, uh, I did feel that he was a little more reluctant. There were a few, few occasions where they, where they bombed forward and, and he wasn't breaking a neck, uh, to get into the box. Like I had seen him do earlier in the season, but still he was popping up there all the time. I'm not, I'm not saying that he was necessarily playing deeper or anything like that. I just had the sense that he wasn't maybe bursting through as, as much as he had been. Um, but you know, that's just my eye test. I haven't, I haven't checked any, any heat map on that. Um, still popped up with the assist, yeah. still very involved, still a great option at that price point. for sure. Yeah. I think especially the price point 
being under six million and he looks to be the focal point of that palace yeah. midfield um certainly still an option but it's one to consider actually if he's offset pieces and not quite as gung-ho yeah uh, one to keep an eye on for sure um okay cool we'll move on to the next section of the show which is the transfers of the game week um so congratulations to Mark Flay, I presume your first name's Mark, so well done. Um, 17 points gained from uh, subbing in Antonio and Saar for eight and nine points, respectively. And outgo Bamford and Torres, neither looked that likely to play. So I don't think there was ever any risk of that move going horrendously wrong. But always good to see both of your um, incoming transfers return with goals. Uh, 17 points with a minus four, so 13 point net gain. Uh, I did see on Twitter this morning another player uh, on Playmaker who made these exact two moves. Uh, so shout out to FPL SOS as well, who sadly missed the deadline for the transfers of the game week graphic, but uh, honorary mention to you as well. Um, 14 points gained for uh, Mr. FPL dash blank. Well, you didn't blank this week, so well done. Uh, 10 points overall because he took the minus four. And Izzel FTBL also made a 10 point net gain as well. So congratulations to you all and uh, good luck to anyone uh, trying to get the best transfers of the game week next week. On to our first uh, main topic of the show. Um, I don't think this will take too long. It's just... Uh, an interesting one I wanted to bring up now. We've had a few weeks of Ronaldo in the Prem as well. We're going to directly compare Lukaku and Ronaldo once again. On screen, I've got on the left here the uh, the spider graph, which shows the per appearance statistics. On the right are just their overall numbers. Um, what stands out to you immediately, Neil, between these two? I think immediately. I actually think... 30 minutes per attempt for Lukaku mm. is probably higher than I expected it to be. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, yeah, I think normally when you look at the premium players, Salah, you know, even Mane, um, Kane in maybe not this season, but uh, in, in past seasons, when I normally look at those, you're looking at 20, early 20s. Mm minutes per attempt, typically, maybe even slightly below. I mean, Ronaldo is 15.9 minute per attempt. Um, so that gives you a sense. I mean, that's actually extremely low, I yeah, would say. That, I think that but leads I would say, the league as well, just for a reference. Yeah, mm. yeah, okay. Um, but I would say early, you're looking at 20, 21, 22 per attempt, typically from a premium attacking player, yeah. um, just, just off the top of my head. I think you're so right, yeah. what jumped out to me, yeah, was 30 minutes per attempt for Lukaku. He's been a bit starved. Um, of service he has he has for sure obviously they've just played city um True. which which definitely has an impact on those numbers right so there there has been a, a small sample of fixtures so far and obviously who those fixtures were makes a massive definitely difference makes an impact on that they number. also played but, liverpool in you know, that time as well so that's yeah. very true that's very true but you asked me what jumped out and i definitely jumped it, out yeah um, absolutely so that's something does. to to monitor i mean the other, the other kind of laughable statistic I would say is uh, Ronaldo's zero point zero one xa. Yeah, he's he isn't <laughs> yeah. here to lay it off to anyone, is he? He's he's uh, taken all the I shots, mean, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the stats don't lie on that mm. one. I mean, you know, he has a reputation as being a kind of greedy and selfish player, and I think that 
that there is uh, very strong evidence 0.01 XA per appearance is uh, is really quite yeah. something. Well, actually. you're bang on. And, um, and just to list out a couple of stats that back that up, he's already had 17 goal attempts, which is two more than Lukaku in in two less games, I think, or maybe even three. Um, uh, two two less games. Um, he's had one less attempt in the box than Lukaku. Again, over two less games, he's averaging five point six seven attempts on goal per match. Lukaku, I think the one that stands out for me, he's only averaging three goal attempts per match, which really signifies the fact that he has been a bit starved of service. And I think the fact that he's able to accumulate zero point five seven xg per match off of just three goal attempts per match actually goes a long way to show the types of opportunities he is getting when he's getting the shots away. And I'd like to think that whilst these aren't particularly encouraging stats for Lukaku right now, with the easier fixtures coming and potentially Mount coming back into the side fairly soon and Havertz also probably getting a few more minutes over the coming weeks and being more effective against the lesser sides, he should hopefully get a a bit better service. And if he can notch up those goal attempts to five or six a game, the sort that Ronaldo is having, then I think that XG will uh, rise alongside it. Um, The key thing here, like you mentioned as well, Ronaldo's XA is so low that I wouldn't be expecting any any assists to... Uh, add up to uh, add up with his goals over the season at all. I think he might get one or two uh, just just through rebounded shots, maybe. Um, but other than that, I just don't see it happening. Lukaku, on the other hand, does have a bit of creativity to his game, and I think the fact that the wing backs bomb high and he's able to lay it off to a number of players coming into the box late, I think will help him. Um, bring up a few assists and that will amount to quite a few additional points over the season. So it's whether or not you think Ronaldo's sheer goal threats is enough to beat Lukaku's combined threat from both goals and assists. Um, but yeah, I thought I yeah. thought now would be a good time to analyse it, especially with the fixture swing coming. Um, Everton at home for Ronaldo, uh, Southampton at home for Lukaku. I've got my own thoughts on how how horrendously destructive that could be. Um, but what what do you think about the fixture swing and uh, where you would place your priorities as of right now for, between these two? Yeah, I think what's interesting is that neither team has been in the greatest of of form um, in the last couple of weeks, right? So you already mentioned that Lukaku has been a little starved of ser- ser- service. I think that's true. Obviously, Chelsea played City. Obviously, they played Juventus in Champions League and, you know, two hard games, um, but lost both. Um, United's attack, uh, definitely, it's fair to say, isn't exactly fluid. Um, you know, obviously, they did well against Newcastle, but but since then, they've, they've looked like they're struggling a little bit um, to figure it out. Ronaldo scored in the Champions League. Um, but I, I, I still don't necessarily trust their attack. Mm. And I think if you look at, two, like, in theory, fixtures for premiums shouldn't matter, right, in a way. I know the talk this season has been very much, let's jump around them potentially ahead of fixture swings. But kind of the, the way we used to think about these things is that your premiums would pretty much be fixture-proof, that, you know, they can deliver against anyone. But if teams are in not the greatest form, 
then obviously easier fixtures can sometimes help with an upturn in that form. And I would certainly say that Lukaku has a better chance kind of over the next five, six games to perhaps figure it out or to start scoring um, on a higher level than perhaps Ronaldo will. Uh, if I had to only go with one right now, I probably would take this fixture swing into account, yeah. to be honest. Um, I think you have and, to and at this point, talk. don't you? Yeah. Um, the the interesting one is perhaps maybe the very short term, the next two for each. And that's where I think if you look at just the FDR, green, <laughs> green, grey, red, it, it, you would go with Lukaku. But if you actually read into it, I think there is a debate to be had. And Lukaku has Southampton, Brentford. Ronaldo has Everton at home. So both at home, Southampton and Everton this week. And then both away, I think. Lukaku has Brentford. Ronaldo has Leicester. Now, I, w I wouldn't argue that Lukaku's fixtures are better for both. But as we both are, Ronaldo owners and non-Lukaku owners, as I'm sure quite a lot of people are at the moment, if you let's say you don't have any other fires to put out, would you definitely be jumping across this week? Or would you perhaps wait for game week nine, for instance, when when the fixtures really do turn and yeah. Lukaku has Norwich at home, which I don't think anyone would argue is about as captainable a fixture as you're ever going to get. Um, what what yeah. do you reckon about maybe biding your time on the, on the switch um, or possibly yeah. just diving in now? I think that's a great question i mean i have so many fires to put out in my team that a ronaldo to lukaku move would never be on the cards for me mm. but even if i didn't have those fires i don't think i would make it ahead of this week um i would hold ronaldo again i i would stick with stick with the the one that i went with um Personally, I think, I mean, I've seen also people talking about doing it for a hit. and Yeah, I wouldn't you know, do it for a hit. It's not for me. Mm. Um, I think if you, look, if you have a free transfer and you've got literally nothing else to do and you feel that Lukaku is the best captain option this week, you're going to slap the armband on him, then sure, you can maybe take the risk, especially if Lukaku is the one you want longer term. Mm. Um but for me, it's not a priority move. It's it's not a move that has to be done um, at all. I, I actually, even though Everton have been quite good defensively um, in their underlying numbers, I don't really want to sell Ronaldo this week. Um, personally, I wouldn't do it. I think even with considering a wild card, if I was to play it this week, it would actually almost want me, like I would almost want to, pick a free free premium wildcard as we'll see later on one of those reasons is because i'm i'm not that keen on selling ronaldo just yet mm. i know what you mean it's uh we all knew it would happen didn't we um we all saw the fixture swing coming from the second ronaldo signed and we all said to ourselves internally it well anyone who was on two premiums anyway oh what lukaku in game week seven for ronaldo that's an easy switch for the, when the fixtures turn but I think we all had in the back of our minds, if Ronaldo gets off to a bit of a flyer and he scored three and three, um, albeit with the blank last week, it, it's going to be hard to sell him. And I, I think that's what's coming to pass here. And 
yes, Everton's uh, XGC has been very good so far this season and they have they have looked good at the back, but it is worth noting that they have had the easiest fixtures out of everybody in the mm. Premier League so far. Um, whereas, on the other hand, Southampton are classically a very poor team XGC-wise. They've been about mid-table, just, just slightly below mid-table this season, uh, probably slightly better than expected. But their fixture difficulty has been, I think, 17th or 18th worst in yep. the... Uh, Prem or seventeenth or eighteenth in in the Premier League ranking so far, so I think arguably it's such a marginal call. If if you're taking a hit, I think I wouldn't do it just because I think I think on the balance of things, Lukaku would just about shave it. If you played the same two games a hundred times over, I think Lukaku would probably score in slightly more of them. <laughs> Yep. But it's so slight that I don't think the four-point hit is going to cover off that, that difference so, um, in Lukaku um, scoring four more points than Ronaldo. The The second thing to note as well is whether or not you've got the wild card in your back pocket. I think if you don't have the wild card in your back pocket and you've got no other fires to put out, then I'd actually probably say go for Lukaku this week yeah. because it's a move you're going to want to make. And yeah, the fixtures exactly. are better. Like they over the next five, even over the next two, they are better. So if you want to play it that way and you don't have the wild card, I think now is the time to do it if you've got no other fires to put out. But if you've got the wild card in your back pocket and you're thinking game week eight, international break, that's when I'm looking at using it, which I think quite a few of our listeners can probably sympathize with um i i might just be tempted to say use whatever transfers you've got this week to put out any fires you've got if you've not got any fires and you know you're wild carding next week which is something i'm going to talk about in a bit i might be tempted to just use any free transfers on big punts for this week and say right who do i back over one week let's give it our best and for example a lot of us have trent in in our squads and he doesn't look like he's going to be fit. Perfect opportunity to punt on maybe an Alonso, maybe maybe um, an Aspi, possibly, for uh, or a Tomato for Wolves, um, et cetera, et cetera. We'll go into that later. But I, I think there's conversation to be had and it's not cut and dry. <laughs> um, uh, we'll go into Lukaku and Ronaldo even more with the captaincy call later, I'm sure. Um, but was there any other thoughts you wanted to add when we uh, are directly comparing these two for now? No, I think uh, the last thing I would say is we, we also shouldn't forget there is a 1 million price difference That's true. between the two as well, right? Yeah. Um, because we're always talking about Lukaku versus Ronaldo. Um and actually, because we we so often directly compare them, I actually sometimes myself forget there is a one million price difference mm. here, right? Um, and just to go back to laughing at the XA, you know, Lukaku's creative threat zero point three one per appearance is pretty pretty decent, right? Yeah, I mean, his his, his his XGI is nearly one essentially mm. um, per game. And if you look at the fixtures they have coming up, he's going to be in foot, like he's already posting underlines of one. And we talked about that they've had harder fixtures. Um, so yeah, I, I just think creatively, one million less, better fixtures. Yeah, I do think he's he's the pick. I would just be wary about when you make that move. Yeah, 
completely agreed and um it, it's funny i don't i don't look at them as two different prices i imagine lukaku no, as a 12.7 as well no, mainly because i know that i'll be swapping between them and i'll always need that one million in the bank so whenever i do wild cards i'm probably going to make sure i have that money in the bank so it's almost like i've spent the 12.7 on Lukaku anyway because I know I'm going to want to have a straight swap for Ronaldo without having to do a second transfer elsewhere at some point um but yeah maybe a discussion for game week eight on the wild card potentially if we if neither of us commit to it this week um but let's move on to the budget midfielders and we've got on screen I think nine or ten of what I would consider uh to be the most trustworthy or the or the best options around this price bracket. Um, so for the benefit of the listeners, we've gone from around the 6.5 bracket. Uh, we've added in Ben Rama as well at 6.6 because I think that's fair enough. Uh, and we've gone all the way down to uh, Smith Row at 5.3 is the cheapest. So it's that nice mid-price midfielder range that I think all of us are considering at the moment. Um, maybe even two, possibly even three of them to make sure that we can allocate extra funds to our forward line, especially if um, we are going for big at the back as well, or if we're going for that um, three premium lineup with Salah, Lukaku and Ronaldo. Um, So on screen now, we've got, I think it is nine or 10 assets. Those are Ben Rama, Saar, Decore, Gray and Townsend for Everton, Gallagher, Rafinha, Saka, Mbwemo, and Smith Rowe. Um, again, I'll ask you um, once again, you probably haven't had enough time to absorb the whole spreadsheet at the moment, but are any of these standing out in particular for you straight away? Um, yeah, I, uh, well, I always have my, my favourite, um, <laughs> who is definitely standing out. Um, but actually, before before I kind of go into any specifics, I I had a quick look that, talking about kind of the high level here of whether we should trust budget mids. Um, if you actually look at the 20 highest scoring midfielders right now in the game, there's only like, uh, like, so there's three, three, so 14 of them of the top 20 are under 7 million. Yeah. Three more, three more are like 7.7. It's like Jota, Greenwood, Pogba, right? Um, so that's 17 of the top 20 midfielders under 7.8. And then it's only Mane, Salah and Fernandez who are in there as, as premiums. But the fact that 14 of them are under 7 million in the top scoring suggests that this is a price point that is going to be one that obviously only six games, but looks like is going to be producing players that we can trust on some level for points and even in poor runs of form or fixtures or points, we can probably swap to another one. Mm. Um, so I would say, you know, maybe maybe I'm, I'm ruining the section by kind of answering the question <laughs> so directly, immediately. Um, but I, I would kind of say that I feel like we can trust them based on what we have seen so far, just as a as a group of players to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a couple of them in my team doesn't really doesn't really scare me. Um, whereas I think in the past, I would probably shy away from having too many kind of midfielders in the six mil type price range 
because I would be scared, okay, where am I going to go from here? How can I get up again? How can I then get an eight or, or something if I need to, if they stop performing? But here this season, I think we can actually swap around in this range. So I just wanted to mention that before singling anyone out specifically, because the players that we single out specifically now Might could be, be the ones in. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. They could be the ones that are in form right now, have done well right now. But that doesn't mean that we have to stick with them because I actually think we will be able to swap around as we go. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's my kind of overwhelming takeaway when I look at the list of players as a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, just, just to I'll just spend 30 seconds on a few specifics. I think I already said that my opinion is that the boat has maybe sailed on, on some of the Everton, especially the next couple of fixtures. So not dying to get any of them in uh, right now. I think Arsenal, as we mentioned, do have um, better fixtures. I, I think Saka has better um, statistics than, than Smith-Rowe. Also, um, not just on slightly on XG and, and definitely on XA, but in terms of shots as, as well. Um, so I've, I do think Saka is a better option over Smith-Rowe, but obviously costs more. And Buemo essentially playing up front, 5.5, mm. one of the cheapest on this list. Great option. Rafinha, I think these days, can be regarded as a reliable FPO option. Gallagher, second for XA and XG um, on the list. Uh, and they haven't had the easiest fixtures so far. And, you know, I continue to be a big fan. Sarah and Ben Rama both um, look like they can be explosive on their day as well. So, I, I honestly, I, what I would say is that there's not often that I look at a whole list of of options and say they could all be options. Yeah, but I, I I really feel like they could all be options. I wouldn't I wouldn't you know think less of anyone who had any of these players in their team. Basically, mm. I completely agree, and um, you did sum it up perfectly. I think, and you echoed my thoughts with can we trust these midfielders? And I think the simple answer is yes, we can. And the reason I truly believe that is in previous seasons, when we're looking at a midfielder in the sub 6.5 million category, they're sub 6.5 for a reason. And that reason is usually either because they're a rotation risk and they're not that essential to the, the team structure that they are in, or they just don't have great underlying numbers and they're not actually that advanced. Whereas what we've got here, I think it's 10, we've got, 10 midfielders who are about as nailed as you could ever expect them. Maybe with the asterisks on Smith Rowe possibly getting rotated every now and then, but he's all the way down at 5.3 million, which is really bargain basement. Um, so again, I think it's worth noting him in this. But if you look at the list, Ben Rama is about as nailed as it gets. Uh, I think the only asterisk is because of European competition, there might be the odds rotation but there aren't that many deep options in West Ham's midfield and I don't think Vlasic for example is going to come in and get a run of games over him. Saar is the talisman for Watford he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Decore is absolutely crucial to the way Everton operate. Gray on the left again I don't see him ever getting moved out. Townsend on the right, I think, has earned his place, especially for the time being. There are question marks moving forward when Everton have got a fully fitter like starting eleven. But 
I, I think he's done enough to earn his place for now. But again, like you said, with Everton in general, if you've got them, it's maybe a conversation to have about holding them. But if you don't have them yet, I, I wouldn't be prioritising them over the, the rest. Gallagher is almost talisman for Crystal Palace, I would say, but probably slightly off with Zaha in the squad and Eduard as well is going to be a good poacher up top. But everything runs through him and he's never going to be getting benched anytime soon. Um, Rafinha, again, you know my thoughts on him. As Late Riser says, he's a glue guy. I don't think he's ever going to be at risk of rotation. He consistently puts in good numbers and Leeds will attack against any team, which I'm, I think for me means you can keep him in against anyone all season long, as long as he's fit. And, and you can just make your subs elsewhere. You can make your transfers elsewhere. Um, as you mentioned, Saka and Smith-Rowe both come into some great fixtures now um, with some great home games in particular coming up. Um, Saka, I think his underlying numbers, despite not necessarily getting the returns to reflect them yet, although three and six isn't bad, I think we could really see good value at 6.2 million. And I think if you're on an Everton asset right now, like you said, or Saar, either, maybe not this week for Saar with leads up, but Saka over them could be the play, um, especially in that price bracket. He's already beating all the Everton assets for XG and I think pretty close, if not beating them all for XA as well. Townsend just slightly shaves it for now for XA. Um, but lastly, but certainly not least, Embuemo beats the lot in XG, which I couldn't believe. When I was making this graphic, um, I obviously put the colours on the the leading um the leading scorer in each in each section. And I had it on Gallagher just instinctively and it was only about half an hour before I started recording that I noticed that actually Embuemo's got him beat. Um, only scored one goal so far, but it really does seem like all the knockdown play from Tony Embuemo is benef- benefiting from. And at 5.5 for a nailed striker out of position with the fixtures turning in just two or three weeks, I I think he is going to be insanely good value at 5.5 and only 0.8% ownership now. I was literally about to point that out. Just ridiculously low ownership. And it does feel like there's a little Twitter bubble forming there that people are talking about him, but nobody, none of the masses has him yet. And I, I really could not be more excited about him. Maybe not for this week. If you're wildcarding, possibly just to have him sat there on the bench for a couple of weeks, but over the next three or four, he's got to be in your consideration. Um, yeah. So- and I, I think ownership matters a little bit here, actually, because if we think that there's very little between them and we can jump on and off as pictures and forms turn, yes. then getting ahead a little bit on certain options that are as low-owned as 0.8 but have the highest XG amongst the ones we're looking at, mm. You know, I, I think in a way that becomes more interesting to me. I mean, even Gallagher is is only eight percent owned right now. Saka eight percent owned right so now. So low, so you know, low. These these players are under ten percent ownership and are putting up very good numbers and are you know definitely comparable to say the Ben Ramas who are more expensive and thirty six percent owned, for example. 
you know, Saar has 15% ownership, Gray 19%. And if you feel like, you know, okay, that was their purple patch, mm. but now they're coming into harder fixtures, then getting ahead of the curve on some lower owned options is actually something which I think should come into consideration when it comes to your strategy around chopping and changing in this bracket. Yeah, I completely agree. And it, if you're going to go for like the upside chasing, then the low, the lowest um, budget midfielders is a perfect way to do it this year because you're taking such minimal risk um, and applying so little of your budget to these options. You can jump on an Embuemo at 5.5. If he doesn't return in two or three matches in a row, he's not going to hurt your team overall. It's just a nice bump. If, if he does start returning, which I, I do truly think he will, but it also yeah. enables you to even explore massive at the back and three premiums. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, exactly. I, and yeah, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, and that's exactly it, right? Because if we're, if we're buying these Chelsea defenders now, we're buying these City defenders, and we're also trying to fit in at least one of Ronaldo, at least one of Ronaldo or Lukaku, and we have Salah, mm. then where, where are we going to spend our transfers? we're going to be spending them in midfield, right? So this is exactly where we're going to be using them anyway. If we are putting in the Cancelos and the the, the Christiansons, or, or actually I just named two that are maybe a bit more rotational. Yeah, maybe. yeah, but, but still, yeah. But yeah, but if we're still looking at City and Chelsea defenders um, and then kind of those big premiums as well, we're going to have transfers to spend here. Mm. Um, so I really think that this this is a a very viable strategy for this season. Yeah. Completely agreed. And just to finish this section off um, nice and neatly, let's go for your top three of these uh, assets. If you were on a wild card today, um, which three would you be prioritizing? Yeah, I think Rafinha, yeah. Saka, mm-hmm. and then Gallagher or Embraimo. I can't quite make my mind up like i said i want to be switching between all of these so none of them would be none of them would be long term right but i think saka for fixtures rafinha i think rafinha is one that you don't need to necessarily think about swapping in and out yeah. he could be one that sticks um but i would go saka from a fixture perspective um but yeah i i really like Imboimo um moving forward i do really like gallagher as well and i don't think ben rama is done either um oh certainly so, not yeah. Certainly not. Uh, I, I would, I would, uh, I would find it hard to pick a third, but I, I think Rafinha and Saka would definitely be, would definitely be highest up on my consideration. Yeah. What about you? I'm the same. So Rafinha and Saka would be my two priorities, and um, as as I, I'm, I, I'm sure will come to pass when I'm doing my draft wildcard in a bit. Um, those are the two priorities at that price point. I would go third place Saar just for the one week, and then look at moving off of him after this week personally but if i if i was tied into a long-term pick and i wasn't allowed to make those those transfers then i think i might just about favor and um i just yeah. i like what that price point gives us to, yeah. to allocate elsewhere especially when we are considering um the big premium defenders as well um so yeah it sounds like we've got fairly similar mindsets on that 
Um, there's another another interesting section of the show which I'm going to move on to now, which um, you were eager to get in because uh, you brought this up on Twitter the other day, didn't you, Neil? Um, but I'll, I'll let you lead with this. Um, the title I've put is Premium Keepers Offering Value. So, Neil, take yeah. it away. I mean, first thing to say is I got I got attacked for for, for talking about um, only six game weeks of of data, um, but at least we're, at least we're at six game weeks now. I mean, we've been doing stuff. Sometimes I feel like we're not allowed to 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 look at anything until game week thirty eight, which is of no use to anyone. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was more throwaway tweet than like a, a very serious observation. But it was just something that I found interesting, basically, because personally, I'm someone who only uh, like I, I pick like a four point five and a four mil every season, um, and I never really think about buying premium goalkeepers. Same um, here. Yeah, I, you know, it doesn't enter my thought process and. But, you know, every season is different. And I think that that's important to to point out. You know, we just talked about how, you know, this season we do have these budget midfielders available, right, for example. Um, so every season is different. So I just thought it would be interesting to see that there's actually only seven nailed on players who are currently with a more points per game than, than Edison and Allison. Mm-hmm. And in that six million and under bracket basically yeah. um 6.1 yeah we've i, um, I added in um, the 6.1 just because they've had recent rises and i think it's fair enough to yeah. keep them in no, yeah. that's fine that's fine but yeah uh, you know these are the only nailed on players that are above um obviously one is a brentford defender one tiago silva there's arguably a lot better options from the same back line um decore gallagher obviously are good good options alonso we're a little unsure what's going on there um, and then two, Cancelo and Diaz are from the same team as Edison and slightly more uh, expensive at this point. So I, I think that there's not really, you know, there's an argument to be made that maybe we could consider an Edison, for example. I, I know Edison, uh, Allison has matched him points per game, but I, I'm still, say, more keen on Edison than I am uh, Allison. Um, but yeah, I think the reason why I also think it's interesting and the reason in particular for Edison is because of the rotational risk at City as well. So you could play it a bit safer or you could fit in more Chelsea defenders into your backline as well by say going for an Edison and a Cancelo rather than a Cancelo and a Diaz. Yeah. Um, so that's the reason why I like it as well because it does provide that security um, and it does pretty much give you as as many points per game or at least competing with points per game as it does other assets. Of course, it also depends on City keeping as many clean sheets as they have been doing. The rate that they have been doing it is probably not completely sustainable. Um, but I could, you know, I, I don't think it's unreasonable at this point that they could get something like 20. Yeah, right? I was going to say I don't 20. Think it's, I don't think that's unreasonable to, to suggest at all, right? Um, so, you know, six six points in, in 20 games um, and then plus a rest, then all, all of a sudden you're looking at a very high score for a 6 million um, player. So I do think it's an option, is all I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying that we should be buying premium goalkeepers and I definitely think that there are some 4.5-ish options that are good. 
And of course, there's the counter argument that a 4.5 keeper and a six mil defender offers more value than a six mil goalkeeper and a 4.5 defender, right? Mm. And again, I think that, that is on a seasonal basis. Um, so yeah, it's just something that I that I thought was interesting because it's just not something that I normally consider. Um, so I just thought it would be worth looking at um, for once. Um, and yeah, I think for me, Edison is a consideration mm. at least. Yeah, absolutely, and and you make a convincing argument there. And uh, just briefly, I'll, I'll finish it off by say by giving an example, which uh, if let's say a lot of us on a wild card would be going Ramsdale, four point five million keeper yeah. at the back, and a lot of us would also have two City and two Chelsea defenders. So that let's call that five defenders overall. Just let's count the goalkeeper as a defender for now. All you'd have to do to get the complete certainty of starts is switch one of those city defenders i would say diaz let's say for or actually for even more certainty let's switch out cancelo for ben white and then switch yeah. ramsdale to edison and you've got a hundred percent certainty of starts for edison and ben white is obviously starting every match as well whereas with the reverse of that, which a lot of people are going for, and including myself at the moment on any potential wild card, is I've got Ramsdale in goal. And whilst it seems clear that he's going to be starting from now on, I wouldn't be surprised to see Leno get a game at some point. Um, so there is a risk there. And Cancelo's also got the risk attached. So if you want to be ultra safe about things, you might consider just flipping those two over and going with Edison in goal going with Ben White at the back and you've actually got the same exact clean sheet expectancy because you've got the same teams with the same well or greater nailedness so yeah it, it, just an example I was thinking through this morning when yeah. um, making well of making this graphic when having a look at this graphic um, but yeah just just something for you all to think about yeah. I think so uh, th yeah thanks and for I think it that does up. depend on it depends on style of play, right? I, and and actually, it doesn't fit my style of play, but uh, uh, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. If you want to be conservative, for sure, it's uh, it's an option and one I'll definitely be considering. So, okay, cool. So let's have a look at next week's fixtures um, really briefly. So I'll just run through these and then we'll dive into the captaincy as well. Um, so we start off with the early kickoff being Man United again against Everton at home. Lots of lots of players of interest in that one. Um, Burnley Norwich might be a bit of a garden centre game if there weren't another four or five games on at the same time. I, I might suggest Chelsea Southampton um, again heavy on the captaincy. I'd expect Leeds Watford quite a good game. I, I'd expect as well. Um, Wolves Newcastle. Brighton, Arsenal, uh, Crystal Palace, Leicester, Spurs against Villa, which I think could be a bit of a belter as well. Um, then we've got West Ham versus Brentford. Again, really excited for that one. Shame it's not on TV. And uh, Liverpool finishing off against Man City, which I'm particularly excited about because we haven't told anyone on stream this yet. But for the first time ever, I'm going to actually meet you in person 
this weekend. That's very true. Um, we're going to watch um, that together. Yeah, we're going to watch that together. So I'm really excited for that. Um, we might even be able to sneak the earlier kickoff on Sunday as well together. Um, but yeah, we're all meeting the team in Copenhagen um, and I'm sure we'll be providing updates on how that's going over the week. Um, but yeah, really yeah. excited for that. Should be a good watch and uh, a good way to uh, meet up for the first time too. Um, so yeah. moving on to captaincy, um, I don't think there'll be too many surprises about who the favourites are this week again. Um, but what I have done is added in Jamie Vardy and uh, Raul Jimenez as well at the bottom there, just as potentially quite interesting differential captains. Um, so the, for the benefit of listeners, I've included Ronaldo, Salah, Antonio, Lukaku and those two differentials I mentioned. Where at the moment is your captaincy lying, Neil? Um, I think it's still lying on Ronaldo um, as it stands uh, in my current team. Um, Antonio, again, is a very strong consideration for me. I'm almost tempted to captain Salah just because we're all going to be watching the game together when you mentioned that. I know what I, you mean. I, thought, I know what you mean. Yeah, then, then I, all of a sudden I, I thought, oh, maybe I should captain Salah just, just for fun. He can score um, against literally anyone as well. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, I don't know, like for me, uh, you know, I, I think one thing I'm struggling with is being stubborn. And I, I'm trying to see through my stubbornness here. Um, and I think it's not just a case of being stubborn, so this might apply to others listening, but if you bought Ronaldo and you own Ronaldo and you're not captaining in a home game against Everton, I don't know, it, it feels a bit weird to me. If you're, if you're then, choose, like, you know, my other main consideration is Antonio. Yeah. And so then I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now captaining Antonio over a Ronaldo home game against a team which is likely going to be mid-table, maybe a bit higher up. Then why do I have Ronaldo? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I'm struggling with, actually, to be, to be completely honest, is that dilemma. So it's very much a psychological dilemma for me this week between those two things. And it, it's definitely colouring my view of who is the best captain. I'm, 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 I'm kind of unable to see through that filter as it stands. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm sticking with my current team, I think it will be Ronaldo or Antonio um, for me. And I'll, I'll see if I can get over my psychological barrier or, or work it out some way. But I, I don't think I will, Captain Salah. I do agree you can score against anyone, but little put off by by how good City were um, against Chelsea last week. Yeah, um, that'll be a war of attrition, that one. See if, yeah, if they can pull out another Yeah, ball, I think that will be hard. I do think Lukaku is, is the best option. I mean, I'm sorry to say this, but Jimenez did bully the Southampton defence, even if it was a, even if it was kind of, you know, not a massive XG that Wolves uh, recorded. I did think he really gave um, the defence a hard time. And obviously, I think Lukaku is the best in best in the world, if not one of the best in the world at bullying defenders. Mm. Um, so I do, I do think Lukaku is the best option objectively. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's between Ronaldo and Antonio for my team. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I was going to mention the same thing about Southampton. I think if Jimenez can bully our defence, literally whenever we're, we're attacking, I would be always looking at the other side of the screen and seeing how stretched our defence would look if they got a ball out to Lukaku. And that really does scare me. If he's going up against Bednarek and Salisu, he will bully them and he will get past them. He's already done it 
in several difficult fixtures anyway, let alone against our defence. And whilst we're looking good XGC-wise when we're low blocking, as soon as we're pouncing on the on the attack, it's the counter that we look really feeble against. And I think Chelsea will know that. And I think Lukaku is the perfect person to have to exploit that. I, re- I genuinely think if, if you've got both Lukaku and Ronaldo, I would personally go Lukaku. Um, I think Ronaldo has a very good chance of getting something against Everton. I, I would say Lukaku's got a marginally better chance, like I mentioned earlier, of getting something against Southampton and also a, a better chance of hauling as well. Um, I don't have Lukaku. I've got way too many fires to put out, so I won't I won't be able to get to him without a minus four. And like I said earlier, I don't think it's going to be worth it if I'm wildcarding next week. Um, for me, it's like you between Ronaldo and Antonio. I am on Ronaldo again at home. Um, Antonio does scare me again, um, but I think Brentford will try to shut up shop a little bit again. I think they were going toe-to-toe with Liverpool, but I could see a world where they potentially sit back a little bit against against Brentford. So we'll we'll see. We'll, uh, sorry, Brentford sit back a little bit against West Ham. So we'll see on that one. Um, but yeah, I think I'm on Ronaldo and I don't think too much is going to sway me from that at the moment. Um, shall we Shall we move on to the team planner? Let's do it. Let's do it. So Neil, this is your current team on the left and on the right, you've put together a potential wildcard um, to have a look at for this week. Um, run us through what moves you might be tempted to make this week and uh, and what that wild card might look like if you went for it. Yeah, so I made one early transfer this week. Um, I got a little bit scared on on kind of price changes and I got Rudiger in for sure um, because I had the exact money to do it. I wanted a Chelsea defender uh, ahead of this week. I, I was certain of that. Um, I did regret moving a little earlier once kind of the Trent injury news came out. And obviously I went before the European games as well. So it was a bit of a risk. And and now I seem to have a few fires in my team to put out, which is why I have considered playing the wild card. But my current setup for this week is Sanchez. I still have Trent in the back line. I still have Aylin in the back line alongside Rudiger. Um, So as you can see, that's why I was kind of panicking a little bit. And my sub defenders are Amati, who's not playing, and Livermento, who has Chelsea away. Mm. Uh, so I have a little bit of a problem there. Um, if I don't play my wild card, I think it is likely that I transfer out Trent um, for a hit um, for an Aspi or an Alonso uh, and double up on Chelsea at the back and just just take the risk. I mean, if Aylin is declared fit, and right now I'm I'm actually not sure on the chances of that, then I. I you know, uh, I could almost be tempted to just bench Trent, yeah. play Livramento for a one-pointer, potentially, yeah. and, and play Livramento, Aylin, and Rudiger, um, and not take the hit. Because I think, you know, the the possibility of it to a Chelsea, another Chelsea defender, and then having rotation risk attached to that, I, I'm, I'm not that keen on it. Um, so I think at this point, if I keep the team without wildcard in, it's either a hit for Trent out or 
it's just live with it. Mm. Um, it's just if Alien and Trent are ruled out, then I'm playing two defenders, and one of them is Livermento. So then I, I, yeah, then it feels like I have to take the hit. Yeah. I mean, if Alien's in, if Alien can play, I think I won't do anything else. If Alien and Trent are out, I think I have to take a hit just to field another defender. Yeah, I think oh. if you're convinced that Chelsea keep a clean sheet as well, then it's worth yeah. the four-point hit, isn't it? So Yeah, but it's just a rotation risk attached to the hit, right? True. For what could be one week if I then play the wild card next week, right? So, yeah, I'm, I'm still a little bit stuck. Um, but yeah, right now it lines up Sanchez, TAA, Alien, Rudiger, Benrama, Gallagher, Salah, Greenwood, Ronaldo, captain currently Jimenez and Antonio Rafinha first bench again yeah. I might I might still change that yeah um, I, I would yeah, I would say that's a strong looking front seven slash eight if you include Rafinha as well um, and that, yeah. I wouldn't be wild carding those eight um, just this no, week anyway no. and that's the thing so I, I looked at the wild card that I would play if I played it this week um and i went for ramsdale and foster as my 4.5 and, and four combination mm-hmm. um double chelsea defense in christensen and rudiger uh with cancelo uh and then two cheap currently playing uh budget defenders in duffy and livermento um who i would be reasonably happy with especially livermento coming on if say can cancelo or christensen miss the game mm-hmm. Um, and in, in midfield, I've got Rafinha and Gallagher, so still two players that I currently own, and Salah, who I currently own, um, and Smith Rowe uh, and Douglas Louise as a 4.5, because I, I've then gone for the Ronaldo and Lukaku up front um, with Antonio. Um, and obviously, with Trent potentially being out for a few weeks, it does open up the, the free premium. Um, a bit easier than it did before, but then it's about do you want to go back to him when he is fit and maybe leave some money in the bank for that as well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually like less convinced on going free premium than I was, say, a few weeks ago, to be honest, even with Trent's injury. And so I think with with my doubts over free premium, uh, with my doubts that actually I think my current team, apart from the defense, will probably outscore my wildcard team this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I'll be playing it next week and I'll, I'll again, I'll consider it again next week and then uh, see where I'm at there. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, cool. So I, I'll show mine now. I think that's mine on screen. So um, I'm also in similar defensive woes as you. So I've got Sanchez in goal. So that's fine. Um, Alexander Arnold and Shaw both look pretty lightly to be injured. Um, Ailing also not necessarily fit although i i'm hopeful that he might come back um and actually whether or not i wildcard might actually hang on news about a ailing sure um so that that's not that's not great um i've also got ben white who will be starting in my back my back three this week um in the middle i've got salah Greenwood, jota and rafinha so again two of those four jota and greenwood i'm not particularly happy about having medium term and Jota for this week as well isn't a particularly great pick because I think he will start on the bench um but again up for up for some debate um Ronaldo has the captain's armband uh with Antonio and Tony up front with him so I'm pretty happy with my front line obviously no Lukaku um which I do think is the optimal captain option but with 
two free transfers, I have other fires to sort. And if things go my way and what I think is going to happen in terms of injuries actually does come to pass, then I think I can resist the wild card until the international break. And what I would be doing is taking out Trent for for a Chelsea defender, probably the most nailed um, one, just to make sure that I do have um, a starting back three. Um, and I'd probably put that as Rudiger at the moment. Um, and then I might be tempted, if there's no solid news on shore, I might be tempted to just keep him there and know that it might be Ailing coming in if he's fit. And if he's not fit either, then I do have Livramento to be my third. Yeah. So obviously yeah. not ideal, but at least it's someone who's going to be playing. Um, so Trent is the one that would definitely be coming out. And then in the middle, I'd probably use my second free transfer on Jota out because I just don't... One, he's pretty likely not to start. He might start, but I, I'd argue probably not. Um, and... I think there are just great one-week punt picks elsewhere, like Saar, for instance, that have massive upside in comparison to him. And also Jota, even if he did start, there's no no guarantee that Liverpool will have much joy against that City backline anyway. So if things go my way, I would probably just live with not wildcarding this week move the, make those two moves not have to take a hit and just grit my teeth through what is probably going to be a pretty average game week at best and activate that wildcard at exactly 11:45 when the game goes live on Saturday morning and have a full two weeks of beautiful planning um which I would really enjoy um the wild card if I did go for it and let's say all of the players that are meant to be potentially injured end up being injured what I would do is very similar to you it would be Ramsdale at the back Cancelo Rudiger Christensen um and then Diaz on the bench so that's the first key difference between mine and yours is I've gone with a potential strong back four I think you went with two four point well, sub 4.5s. Yeah. Um, so I've got Diaz over Duffy. Um, in the middle, I've got Salah, Rafinha and Saka. So Saka over e uh, Smith Rowe for me. Um, so that's another key difference. Um, I've also gone Saar instead of Gallagher, but with the asterisk that if I did this, Saar would be a one-week punt. And I've mapped it out so that Saar would actually be on my bench for the next two weeks because I've got a strong enough starting 11 without him. So I wouldn't need to make that transfer straight away. He could just sit on my bench and Gallagher would be coming in for when the fixtures turn for them. Um, so again, it's not that dissimilar to yours really there. Um, the key difference up top is obviously I've gone only with two premiums, so no Ronaldo, and I've got in Jimenez instead. And I think that, I personally think that Jimenez's fixtures are good enough that I can rely on him for regular enough attacking returns. And whilst I don't think he'll match Ronaldo, I think he'll be close enough that I can gain that advantage on having two City defenders, for instance. Yeah. Um, and I actually agree with that. I actually looking at your wildcard team, that is something that, like, like I said, I have been going off the idea of free premiums. Now I have been playing around with it more. Mm. Now I am getting close to the wild card. Um, and actually, I think that those differences that you mentioned 
you know, for sacrificing Ronaldo and, and getting Jimenez instead, but but getting very significant upgrades elsewhere in the team mm-hmm. on balance, I think is going to pay off, especially because if you, again, we look at the fixtures, how many times am I going to captain Ronaldo in my team? That's the when thing. When I have Lukaku. That's the thing. When I have Salah. Um, it's not going to be many. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm definitely going cold on on free premiums. And another reason why I don't want to play it this week is because I want a little more time to think about my overall strategy here. Yeah, same here. And I think unless I'm forced into it, and and obviously we've both done planning around it. Like, I didn't just put this up on a whim. I, I've actually mapped this out over six or seven game weeks, and I really like mm. it. If If the players that are flagged at the moment end up being confirmed out for this weekend, I'd have no hesitation for just hitting the switch and going for this. Um, I'm feeling fairly confident with it. It's just, if I can resist it, I'd prefer to have the two weeks to prep, know what's happening in the international breaks, because who knows what restrictions are going to do? Who knows what um, injuries are going to occur? Um, so I prefer to have that data on at hand. Um, the other key thing to note about this, lastly, is obviously no Trent, but my goal would be to have the money in the bank to move one of the city defenders. I think it was in game week 11 back to Trent. Um, And even though I think it only says 1.2 million in the bank here, this doesn't take into account our actual live team value. If you've just created a draft from scratch. So I I would have the budget with about 0.5 to spare to get Trent in. So I'd be fairly comfortable maybe just gritting my teeth over the chance that Trent starts to get Watford but other than that I think the fixtures are there, there's an opportunity there I think for um, just yeah. going double City and Chelsea and I think you can probably match those trend points for less and strengthen elsewhere um, but yeah that those are the wild cards I like I said I won't be hitting it unless I'm forced into it but it's nice to have the thought there in the background and the preparation done that if I need to I can just I can switch over to it but yeah that that's uh all from us today at the FPL Playbook. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And if you've survived this long, um, then please do consider giving us a like and uh, a subscription on our channel. Um, we do this weekly and the more the merrier. Um, we really do appreciate every listen, every like we get at the moment. So um, if you could do that, really appreciate it. Um, also, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we do have the Playmaker app which is where this all started. So if you want to check out any of the data that we've looked at today, if you want to get involved in community discussion, uh, we've got a great active community on there. And like I always say, the match day chat is fantastic. It's great fun. So come and get involved. Um, we've also got some new features coming soon, which I'm I'm bound not to tell uh, anyone about at the moment my hands are tied but uh trust me they're good so um you'll all really like that so get involved on playmaker this weekend and uh hopefully there'll be some surprises for you um but for now it's a goodbye from me and goodbye from me thanks guys good luck on game week seven see you next week <laughs>